Welcome to the CTC Podcast, where Chase Minifield, Dom Joseph, and Max Millian discuss life lessons they've learned as young entrepreneurs in the business world. Join them as they debate current events, business topics, and enjoy a few laughs with their weekly guests. And now for today's show. Well, what up? Here we are with another episode of the CTC Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Minifield. Dom Joe on the line. What's good, Dom Joe? What's up, world? And real quick, man, we got to give you Did we ever give a shout-out to that Nipsey Hustle instrumental on the intro, bro? The Nipsey Hustle instrumental. We did not. We did not give out to it. We're trying yeah, to blame you know, That joint, that joint flames, man. That joint flames right there, man. We didn't get that clear. You know what I'm saying? We didn't get that yeah, sample clear. We're trying to lay low. But then now we exposed. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's all good. <laughs> all right. What up, Max? <laughs> What's good, Max? What up, world? Happy Fourth of July weekend. Hopefully, all y'all had a good time this weekend. Got to enjoy yourselves, family. You know what I'm saying? The barbecues. It's all good. Max, get a little closer to the phone. He sound a little low, don't he, guys? Sound a little low? All right. Sound a little low? Just a little bit. I got my same headphones and mic I've been always having, bruh. Right. You know you got them bows. They pick up everything. We know for a fact. We know the bows pick up everything, bro. I can't even get comfortable. <laughs> we just put something on my couch. I start asking, yo, who moving around out there? Yeah, I like somebody scratching the phone. But uh, nah. we got another great episode today. Another rendition of the Who's Where series that we've been working on. Uh, we actually, I don't think we've had, who's our last Who's Where guest? Was it Mo Cub? Oh, it could have been Mo Cub. It was like, nah, nah. Nah. it was T Cub. It was T Cub. Yeah, Tico. Right. So, it probably was. So we've been there for about a month or so, maybe three weeks or so since we've done a Who's Where. So we're back. We're back. Who's Where edition. UVA. All UVA alums showing what they're doing now. Currently, we got a special guest today. Brought to you truly by Dom Joseph. Dom Joseph, introduce our guest. Yeah, a very special guest on the line with us today. I'm very interested to hear what she has to say. She's a very good friend of ours. Also, not only is she a UVA alum, but she's also a UVA athlete. She is a soccer player, a women's soccer player, and she's doing tremendous things right now. Give it up for Emily Perrin. <laughs> that was a good one right there. <laughs> yeah, I think you I think you kind of redeemed yourself, you know. Um, yeah, I am so, so excited to um, join you all tonight. No, we appreciate it, Emily. So we're excited. We'll get into this. We'll we'll dive in. But before we get started with Emily and she and Emily, feel free. We're gonna jump into to a lot of different conversations. So just this is like a our couch setting podcast. So anything, in, any opinions or uh, thought processes you have, jump jump right in there and throw them in there. Well, first and foremost, right. the, the first thing I want to address is Don Joe claims to have an arsenal of entertainment. On this podcast, and I think he's, I think he, I think he, he feels untouchable. Does he feel untouchable, Max, on his own? Because he, because he brings a lot of entertainment to the podcast. Oh, hey, I'm just gonna correct you on one thing. He thinks he brings a lot of entertainment to the podcast, so yes, he feels <laughs> untouchable. The problem is he started to the point where he makes his own rules. So you know, he has to five our heads up that you know we gonna have, we might have to do a little something at eight o'clock tonight. And Dom Joe. Is at a at six flags, which he just easily <laughs> leaves. He 
45 minutes earlier, but it says on that, it says, yo, can't make it. And then anytime we bring any kind of statistical analysis to the podcast of what can be measured, aka listens or anything like that, Dom Jones is in the last place. But what he says is, no, 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 we don't go on that. You know that I bring you entertainment because we can't measure that. I don't, I don't know if that's cool. You know, I don't know. We can, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> Okay, number one, we can measure that. Number two, I, hey, we're all professionals here. We're all professionals here, okay? We decided, we, you know what I'm saying, I, this was a family outing, okay? We decided this weeks ago that we were going to Six Flags at this point, okay? We all know we got a phone call today at 2.30. We get a phone call today at 2.30, say, hey, podcast at 8. Okay, what is that? What is that? Can I get some organization, bro? No, 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 no. This is not what's going to happen here, bro. You know what I'm saying? We're going to stick to the schedule, bro. You know what I'm saying? Hey, Oh, man. Boys, hey, 
Hey, you know what? Let's just talk this out right now. Next, I'm sorry I called you boring, man. I'm sorry I called you boring, man. You just turned up on me, okay? I'm sorry I called you boring. You're not boring. You're not boring. You're an awesome guy. It's unbelievable. You're an awesome guy. It's unbelievable. Okay. Can we get into the podcast now? Can we get into the podcast now? I'm glad I know how you feel, bro. Hey, Jake, I got you hot. Oh, yeah. You got all the buttons right now. Oh, man. You know what? You know what? You know what? You know what? You know You know what? 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 You but you gotta understand something. You gotta understand something. I didn't ask for this debate. You know what I'm saying? Y- y'all, y'all the ones that brought it up. Y'all brought it to me, man. All I did was speak my mind. You know what I'm saying? For the world to listen to. You know what I'm saying? That's what it is, right? Couch. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, couch type interviews that we do and all that. You know what I'm saying? Came to my mind. Anyway, right. appreciate can, we, can we get into the guest? Oh yeah, yeah, man. We're going into the only thing we got to explain. What we're even talking about? Reason why we're talking about Arsenal and entertainment? I mean, it went south, but maybe we'll try next week. We'll try, we'll try this conversation again next week. <laughs> but um, let's go ahead and get into this thing. So, Emily, go ahead and give us your background. I think Emily may be our first Charlottesville. Like, you, Emily, you're from Charlottesville, right? I am, yeah. I grew up there. Is she our first Charlottesville, like, you know, born? Yeah. yeah? I think so. Yeah, I think so, too. So that's cool. Let's go ahead and get into this, Emily. So tell everybody, you know, obviously we know where you're from now, but um, where you're from, how you ended up at UVA, your soccer experience, and those things up until, you know, college, that type of situation. Yeah, right on. So, um, yeah, I grew up in Charlottesville, born and bred, um, and my dad actually coached uh, basketball at UVA for 15 years. So he was the end of the kind of Ralph Sampson era um, when the team made it to the final four. Um, and so that is kind of how and where my um, kind of love of UVA and sports and all that jazz got started. Um, and he is also a sports psychologist um, and has worked with some of um, kind of the best athletes that this nation has ever produced. He's been in and out of the NBA for about 10 years. Um, been through two World Cups with the um, men's national team soccer. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's kind of where um, kind of my roots are. And then growing up, um, obviously, I, I played soccer. Um, and then, yeah, landed at UVA, um, Wahoo Wah, um, and then kind of left um, college, graduated and knew that I, you know, because of my dad and kind of background and wanted to just see um, and give coaching a chance. So then um, I took a job at the University of Pennsylvania. So I went up to Philly um, and coached at Penn for three years. So I was an assistant there. Um, And y'all just stop me or redirect or ask a different question. Um, But yeah, so I landed at Penn and um, kind of gave the whole college division one coaching thing a shot. And um, Really let's loved it, but kind of knew that. Oh, go ahead. How was your experience at UVA? I know, you know what I'm saying? How was your experience at UVA before we get into your post-UVA life? How was your experience? Yeah, I know. And what was your experience? It was, like? um. What was your, like, thought process? Yeah. At Charlottesville, native. Like, how do y'all view, I know your dad was a coach at, at UVA, so do you feel like it was different than being, like, disconnected? I've always wanted to understand, like, 
how um, the people that are from Charlottesville view the UVA like students and uh, people that yeah. No, that's a great question. Um, honestly, like when when you grow up in Charlottesville, um, honestly, UVA is kind of its own. Um, it's kind of its own little world. Like you don't really, um, I don't know. I, I didn't really think about it too much. Um, and you know, it, it's funny because like my parents' house um, is, you know, was literally five minutes from where my house was, you know, when I lived on campus. So, um, you know, they're, they're extremely close. Charlottesville is not a big place. Um, and obviously like Charlottesville as a whole and like the community is very much like rallied around UVA. Um, but I don't know, you just kind of, it, it's kind of like two separate worlds, like the corner and campus and all of that is just kind of separate. Like you really don't think much about it. Um, and then my, I have an older sister, um, so she's two years older. And when she went to college, she went to UVA. So that's when I kind of started to like, go on campus more and kind of get a little bit more familiar with things. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's interesting. It's um, yeah. When you're growing up and you're in high school and uh, yeah, I didn't really like think about UVA that much or like, no, honestly, that much about it. Um, so how was your experience at UVA once you actually got there? Thought process, like what did you study? Um, obviously you were a soccer player. How did, how was your experience as, being an athlete and getting your academics done at UVA, touch on those topics. Yeah, so, um, I mean, UVA's program, their women's program is, you know, one of the best in the nation. So um, Steve Swanson, our head coach, is, you know, arguably one of the best um, head coaches in the women's game. So obviously playing for him and, um, you know, that program was, uh, I mean, it was a dream come true, you know. Um, and, you know, I think it's, kind of funny that we're talking about this and you know on the same day of the women's world cup because steve is obviously an assistant with that women's world cup team and then there's three uva players that that just won um and so you know i think that speaks volumes of just like what the program is built on and the strength and the caliber of the type of player that goes um through there and is able to play there so it was awesome and just being able to play with you know some of the the best players um you know to, to ever play the game is such an awesome feeling um i studied psychology, um, you know, kind of like, <laughs> like father, like daughter. So I kind of, um, while I was even in undergrad was thinking that, um, you know, the, the kind of the psych or the counseling route, or maybe even sports psych, um, was, was where I wanted to go with things. Um, so yeah, my undergrad degree was in psych. Um, and it was great. I mean, it was a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. Um, you know, obviously I met some amazing people like you three gentlemen, um, you know, and, and so many more just, I think, you know, the, the whole just athletic department and athletic community, um, at UVA is just, it's amazing, you know, um, and, and we're all so fortunate to have, you know, the, the programs and the, you know, the infrastructure and the resources that we had, um, just the, you know, the academic support, the, you know, our own dining hall, the facilities. I mean, geez, it's, you know, it's, it was, it was an awesome experience for sure. That's what's up. So did you guys, um, I don't even know, did you guys win? How, how was your, like the soccer experience? Like, did you guys win a national championship, go to the championship game or anything like that? What was the, yeah, so we were always um, – we didn't win a national championship. Um, so they ended up winning an ACC title the year after my class graduated. So they won okay. an ACC championship in 2013. 
Um, which, you know, I think a- anyone who goes through a program like that and then, you know, they, they win the year after you leave, it's like, well, you, you played a part in that for sure, right? Um, but, no, I mean, we were always ranked kind of in that top 10 or 12 spot um, in the nation, and, and the farthest we – we always made it to the NCAA tournament, and the farthest we made it was my senior year. Um, we made it to the Elite Eight and then left to Florida State. Um, but, yeah, I mean, always – I mean, into in this day, always a, an extremely competitive um, program. You know, you know the ACC in women's soccer is um, probably the ACC and then the Pac-12 are probably your two best conferences in terms of women's soccer. So you know, you're you're playing, um, you know, your your conference is you know arguably you know all of the best teams in the nation. So it's competitive. It's you know it's it's grueling. It's um, you know, but it, but it's it's awesome all at the same time. So yeah, we we definitely we we were a good program. Never won um, a, a national championship though. What's up? Between have you guys seen more UVA uh, gear just in your day to day life um, since we won the national championship, or is it just me? I feel, I feel like every time I'm in the airport, I see somebody with a UVA hat on, uh, national championship hat on, something like that. I was I was in, I was in, I was in a uh, customs going to Canada. Yeah, with a UVA hat on. I see it everywhere now. It's crazy. Yeah. When we, we lost the, uh, the, well, the 16 seed, we didn't see nobody. I mean, they call it the Dove Twitter effect. You know, the Dove Twitter back in the day threw that crazy long, like, last second touchdown pass. It said the um, application went up by, like, 30%. And from now on, they basically call it the Dove Twitter effect, like, in the late national championship. The school gets, like, an influx of applications. Kids want to go there. Yeah. Donors spend more money. It's, it's just how it, I mean, who doesn't want to be a part of some uh, winning team? You know, it's also called the band. Right. Take day. No, it's totally true. And I, um, no, I hear you. I mean, I live down in Raleigh. So in Raleigh, you've got kind of the, the triangle. So you're right in like NC State's right in Raleigh. You've got Duke that's in Durham, which is like 20 minutes away. And then you've got Chapel Hill. So it's like when I first moved here, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to vomit because it was so much NC State, UNC, and Duke crap. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, oh my gosh, it's, it's really funny that you say that Chase. Cause it's like, as literally since we won both the basketball and the lacrosse, it's like, I have so noticed like just randomly like grocery store or like out running errands, like I'll see, uh, you know, somebody with a UVA baseball cap or like a UVA bumper sticker. And yeah, they're definitely, definitely popping up way more. Yeah. I thought I was the only one that was noticed to me. Um, <laughs> no, definitely not. It's all good. So you you went after UVA. Um, you decided to get into the coaching route, and we'll discuss your experience with the coaching, your coaching experience, and why did you decide to go the coaching route in the first place? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I had been, um, you know, probably since I was fourteen or fifteen, I think. Um, every summer, I had worked camps. Um, you know, my, my parents were full believers of like, Hey, you know, you're not going to sit around all summer and do nothing. Um, you know, you're going to work and you're going to make money if you can. Um, and so the way I saw it, um, you know, I was a soccer junkie. I wanted to, um, you know, I wanted to spend my summer, you know, soccer kind of the, the heavier season is in the fall. So I wanted to spend my summers getting fit and getting ready. And, um, yeah, um, when I was about 14, one of my club coaches was like, hey, come work, like, come work day camps for us, um, for my club. And so 
um, I did. And I just kind of started, um, you know, from, from a fairly young age, like working with kids and in and around sports. And I, I really loved it. I mean, um, I love, um, you know, I love working with people. I'm a very relationship um, person. You know, I want to and love connecting with people and um, in an engaging way that, um, you know, allows them to learn. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of felt like um, coaching was just the, the right way to go about it. And um, I, I actually, my senior year, so my fourth year in the spring, so our, our fall season ended. Um, and then, you know, I, I had that whole spring I was taking, I think I was honest to God taking two classes because I had, um, you know, all the credits I really needed. Um, and so I actually just picked up a local club team. Um, it was a boys U 11, um, travel team and I just fell in love with it. I absolutely loved it. I loved the boys. Um, you know, they, they kind of really embraced having a female coach, which was awesome. Um, and I just, I, I enjoyed everything about it. And so, um, you know, when the opportunity arose, um, to then, move into the collegiate space, I, um, you know, got a call from the head coach at Penn, um, got an interview, went up and, you know, within 24 hours, took it, um, took the job and moved within like two weeks. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I kind of just got into it because I had started kind of coaching and working camps at a young age, really loved it. And, um, yeah, I mean, my, my passion is just like working, working with people. I love to help people learn. Um, and coaching at the time just seems like the best way to kind of go about that. Cool. So how did you get, what you got, Dom Joe? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say, so what happened to uh, kind of take your focus away from, you know, coaching collegially to stepping into the entrepreneurial world? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, um, yeah, I spent three years at Penn, um, and I loved it. And I, it's an opportunity and a um, you know a, a phase in my life, and um, that I would never trade for anything. Um, and while I was coaching, I thought it would be a great idea to apply to grad school. So I was getting my master's at the same time, and it was just a lot. Um, and so I was kind of going to school full-time and, and coaching and then, um, you know, living in a city. And um, honestly, I just kind of after three years um, kind of took a really um, hard look at my life and what I wanted more long-term. And, um, you know, I, I think for, for many people that don't know what college coaching is like um, and what kind of a lifestyle it is, it's really hard and you aren't home a lot and there aren't, it's not regular hours, you know, it's obscure and you put a lot of time and energy into your work and it's very fulfilling. Um, but, you know, it was just kind of all I, all I was doing and I really um, wanted to, do something that and, and start to move in a space that allowed me a little bit more freedom. Um, and, you know, I also had firsthand experience with my dad being a college coach for the first 10 years of my life and just knowing that he wasn't around much. Um, and I really, as I kind of transferred into this kind of next phase, kind of my mid to, to later 20s, I really had to um, 
really evaluate and ask myself, like, what do I want? Um, you know, is this conducive to having a family and being able to work um, hours that, you know, just allow me a little bit more flexibility. And um, yeah, so I had to, I had to ask myself some really hard questions. Um, and, you know, I think I'm sitting here today and talking to you guys, and I think I've 100% made the right decision. Um, do I miss coaching? Um, I think there are aspects of it, but I, I am, you know, and I think I've found now more of my niche. Um, I also will say that um, very little of, you know, what I loved about coaching, especially at the collegiate level, was the, the tactical side of things and, like, the actual soccer piece of it. Um, you know, I, I was coaching because I wanted to work with young, bright athletes that, you know, wanted to be good and wanted to learn. I loved connecting with them. I loved helping them grow and motivating them and being you know, their sounding board and their rock when they needed um, some help and things weren't going well. So very little of what I like really loved about coaching was the soccer piece of it. And so I kind of had to ask myself, can I get, you know, that same um, thing out of something else? And the answer was yes for me. Um, and I also had gotten to a place where um, I had actually injured myself really, really badly. Um, I had my kind of my femur was like almost hanging out of my hip socket. Um, I had torn um, pretty much all, almost all the way through my hip labrum. Um, and so I, I kind of, it was kind of like, you know, all things happening at once. And I had to just kind of make a decision. Um, and the decision was to, to leave Penn um, and to actually move back to Virginia with my parents. And, um, you know, I, I, I had, you know, the time and I was fortunate enough to, you know, get my hip surgery, get it fixed and take some time off um, and just kind of reevaluate what the next phase of life was going to be. So you took some, I guess, in that time frame, were you taking some time for yourself and what did you really uh, learn about yourself and, and how you want, where you wanted to go next? What was your thought process like in that time frame of really like, yeah. sitting down and relaxing? Yeah, well, it, it was interesting. I'll put it that way. Um, and, you know, it's kind of this whole piece of things is what's kind of really led me to what I'm doing today um, and the passion behind, you know, what, what I help people do and what I hope to help um, future athletes do. Um, and, you know, I'll be honest, I had a really, really um, kind of rough year after I left college coaching and Penn um, and kind of um, – going through the, what was, you know, pretty massive hip surgery. And, you know, I wasn't walking for about six weeks and, um, you know, I was back with my parents and, um, yeah, I mean, I had, um, you know, I don't know if any of you guys resonate with this, but I think a lot of athletes do. Um, and I think more and more are talking about it, but, um, you know, I had a real identity crisis, um, in terms of just who I was and what I wanted out of life. And, you know, I had kind of felt and, um, you, you know, that once I left the college game and I wasn't playing anymore that in, in kind of transferring into coaching, it was, um, you know, that, that identity crisis was kind of masked because I was still in sports, you know, I was still around the team. I had kind of that second family in a sense. Um, and so, you know, when I, when I fully left that and I left the college game and I was just kind of, you know, alone. I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't have a job. I was injured. Um, I, yeah, I really, I, I kind of, um, 
yeah, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. And I think any time that you get to the point where you have to really kind of ask yourself and you're not sure about what you want or what your goals are, I think it can be really hard. And um, so I, yeah, I had a, a, a really tough time. Um, and I actually had a, a, a bout of um, kind of a year long, um, just kind of slow decline of my health and um, my anxiety and um, what they kind of, what, you know, the, the, the medical team that I kind of um, ended up and my family ended up kind of gathering for myself was, um, was panic disorder. Um, and I was having panic attacks and um, just having a really hard time with, with life. Um, you know, I, I think it's all too common. I think people are a little bit too quiet about it. Um, and so in, in the meantime, I had kind of just um, done what probably any like unsure 20 something person does. And I took a, just a job in sales that I just kind of didn't really like or didn't really want. Um, and it was just kind of something to make money. And I, you know, in doing that needed to move and relocate to Raleigh, um, North Carolina, where I still am today. Um, and along with that, you know, met someone that I really loved and thought, you know, it was really going to work out and it didn't. And, you know, I think it was just kind of a, a year-long process of just shit not going right, you know. I mean, I think everybody has phases of that. Um, and so, anyways, just kind of hitting rock bottom and, and kind of getting to this point of just, like, nothing else can go wrong in life, um, you know, actually really kind of set a spark under my ass and really kind of um, launched me on the trajectory to where I am today. Um, and, I think that's a really know, good point right there, Emily, to be honest with you, before you, I'm sorry to cut you off, but we'll get no. into where you are right now. But that's a really good point of the fact of, you know, sometimes, and I think everybody gets to the point where, like, what else can go wrong? What else can I do, like, to where, you know, and a lot of people are scared of, that happening to them or happening in their life where they feel like yeah. I'm, I'm just missing, I'm just swinging and missing, swinging and missing, swinging and missing, swinging and missing. But in my, in my experience, and obviously the same experience that you've had, is the fact of when you swing and miss and you keep swinging and miss, you're just getting closer and closer to hitting that home run. And it's really like, yeah. all right, let me, let me just keep swinging. It's really, I, I can't, I can't, yeah. I'm not, I don't have a fear of missing no more. So, I think that's a very good point that a lot of people can take from this right now. There's this conversation of not being scared of failure. And, you know, and a lot of people tell me the fact of, you know, how have you been able to, you know, not be scared to start businesses or not be scared of starting going into entrepreneurship when a lot of people are, are fearful of creating and, and, you know, taking on the challenges of entrepreneurship. And it's like, I tell them in the fact of, through my experiences in sports is the fact that I'm not scared to go back to zero. Like I've been at zero. I know what a zero feels like. I know yeah. that I can bounce. I know yeah. that I can bounce back from zero. So you know what it, negative feels like. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. So I'm not scared of like, like if, this, if that's the scariest thing in business is that I'm, I'm going to fail and I'm going to be back where I was, I'm cool with taking this, this opportunity and this chance for whatever, whatever good can come out of the situation. So I don't have that same fear as somebody that's never been through a bottom level or a down level to where they feel like they don't got no lure to go. So I think that's a very, I think that in your, in your, um, in your struggles, it's just building fire for your, your triumph. So 
it's it's a it's a blessing and a curse at the same time because you got to go through it. But once you come out of it, you're gonna be better going forward. So tell everybody about what you're doing now. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, you know, first I'll just say, yeah, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, you know, you you really um, sometimes there's just phases of life where, um, you know, stuff is hard and it's bad and it gets worse. Um, but I'm a I'm a really big believer, um, and I, I have a lot of faith in the process. And um, you know, I think the the question for you know, people who may be in times like that or have had times like that. I mean, I think any anybody, um, you know, I think, Chase, you, you probably know this as well. It's like, you know, the, the question you have to constantly ask yourself is like, what are the small steps that you can take to just keep keep moving forward, keep getting better? Um, because they do, you know, if you stick it out, they, they definitely do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, basically that's, that's exactly what I did. You know, I, I surrounded myself with, um, you know, uh, a staff of, um, you know, kind of medical people, counselors, therapists, nutritionists. Um, I really dedicated myself to getting on a yoga mat, um, which has been um, probably the most profound, um, you know, life change that I could have ever asked for. I started meditating, um, found a, a meditation teacher um, who would really work with me and, and help me learn about what that was and what kind of mind-body connection really plays into anxiety and panic and um, just mental illness. Um, and I started really, um, really just attacking um, positivity and life and um, being resilient and taking every step that I could to get myself better. And um, I quit my job. Uh, and I decided that, you know what, I was going to um, do everything that I could to make sure that um, somebody else would never have to go through um, the, the things that I went through. Um, and in particular, I really wanted to do that for the athletic community. So coaches, teams, um, individual players. Um, and so I started looking into programs, whether it was I was thinking for a little bit um, that I'd go back to school and get a, another master's degree or a counseling degree. Um, wasn't really quite sure. Um, and then I found um, Duke's Integrative Health Coaching Program, um, which is world renowned. Um, it is through their integrative medicine program or their department um, in Durham. Um, and so I applied to that. Um, I wasn't really sure if it was the right move or if I was even going to get in. Um, you know, I, I just honestly, I, it was one of those things where, you know, I, I just kind of went for it and I got in and I started um, in January. So I've been at it for, let's see, what, six months now. Um, and I finished in August. Um, and it's been one of the most uh, just kind of, exhilarating experiences both personally and professionally that I, I've ever been through. Um, and so basically what it is, is it is a certification course. So it's not a master's degree. It's a professional development um, program. Um, so it's kind of January through March or late March is the, was kind of the first half of it for me. Um, and then the beginning of, or the end, I guess, of April through August will be the second half. Um, and so it's a, it's a kind of a, a mix of both in person. So going to Durham, 
being in and on the integrative medicine campus, online work, and then getting out in the field. Um, and, you know, we were saying like, okay, well, what is this? What is integrative health coaching? So it's really helping people um, address their health in a holistic and an integrative way. So what does that mean? Health is um, all encompassing. So it's kind of, you know, it is the physical and the nutrition piece of things. So what we're putting in our bodies, but it's also, um, you know, our relationships, who we're spending our time with, um, you know, what kind of relationships are they? Are they genuine? Are they fake? Um, it's your environment, meaning, um, you know, where you're living to where your workplace and what your workplace is like. Um, it's um, things like personal development. What are you doing for yourself spiritually? What are you doing for yourself to just grow and learn more? It's, it's a multifaceted approach to health, um, which I truly believe, you know, from my personal experience is the way to go. Um, and so basically what it is, is it's, helping people uh, address their health, so look at all of those components and really break them down, um, see how they connect with each other, you know, because the reality is if you affect one piece of that puzzle, you know, the, the rest, it's like the domino effect, the rest of them will shift and change. Um, and so, you know, the, the thought behind that is if you, you know, if you just kind of from the get-go help people look at all of them from the start, they really have the best possible chance of creating kind of the healthiest version of themselves. Um, so that is what I kind of went back to this program to do. What my business is about is really helping and kind of wanting to, to break into this athlete community and helping athletes not only address their health, which I think is phenomenal and great and it's needed, um, but it is address their health in ways that really allow them to then find peak performance, right? So athletes, we're type A individuals, we're competitive, we want to do well. And so, yes, it's great to want to address our health and look at our health in a holistic way, but what's the end goal, right? We want to be better on the field. We want to be better athletes. We want to reach peak performance. We want to sustain it. We want to maintain it. We want to be the best athletes that we can be. How do you do that? You create the healthiest version of yourself. How do you create the healthiest version of yourself? You work with me. So that is what my business is all about. There you go. So how do you sell this thing? How do you sell it? Um, what's your marketing techniques, business? I guess, um, is it like a subscription or is it like a one-time client type situation? Or are you trying to get people on monthly recurring revenue? Like how do you make money in this? In this yeah, business? so that's a it's a great question. So yeah, so typically when I'm working with an individual one-on-one, -on -one, there's kind of two ways to do it. So the first way is um, a three-month commitment. So you work with me for three months, and that is um, based on the science behind what kind of making change to your health um, takes, and it takes about 90 days or three months. So you work with me for three months. It's a series of sessions in that three months. Um, so that's the first way. And then the second way is a 12-month subscription. So you could work with me for, for, for a full year. You get one session a month plus additional content. Um, and then I, you know, would love to be doing kind of more group or team coaching. So, again, it would be that same setting of kind of me coming in and working with a team or a group for about three months. Um, or I can come in on just kind of a workshop or a kind of a one-off basis. So, um, you know, I come in, I speak with a team, um, you know, if there's individuals on that team or a coach that would want to kind of work with me 
um, further, then I would be willing to explore that. But for the for the workshop or like a speaking engagement, it's usually just like a one-off type thing. Awesome, that's what's up. Um, so what has it been like so far? How long have you been? How long? How long have you been doing this for before they get into their questions? How long have you been doing this, Emily? Yeah, so my business has been live for about three months now, um, okay. which is just crazy now that I'm thinking about it. Um, but, yeah, so it's been um, three months, and it's 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 growing. You know, I think like anything, it, it takes time, and you've got to speak with the right people. Um, but the cool thing is that I'm now, and you guys are going to be like, this girl is crazy, but I'm now getting ready to launch another business, um, with, um, an awesome, awesome guy who played lacrosse at Penn, um, because, um, I'm, well, he kind of found me based on what I was doing and, and kind of already moving in the athlete space. Um, and we are launching a, um, program for athletes. So it's mental and emotional fitness for athletes. It's a 90-day program, um, and we are calling ourselves or our business is called the 100% Athlete. Um, and it's very much kind of um, similar to kind of what my business and what my line of work is about, which is really catering to kind of, um, you know, a, a multifaceted approach to health and wellness. Um, so really, the you know, the 100% comes from, um, you know, you – athletes want to be at their 100%, how do you get to your 100% by being, you know, at your 100% with the jersey on, but also without the jersey on. Um, so, yeah, this is kind of um, very new. We're getting ready to launch. Everything is going live in a few weeks. So, um, you know, with the, with the confirmation of my business partner, um, you know, this is actually the first time that I'm getting to even speak about it um, or, you know, really tell anyone about it, which is awesome. We're super excited about it. Um, so, yeah, so kind of a, I've got kind of, you know, my, my hands in a, a few different things right now, but business as in, you know, what I do individually is, is going great. It's building, um, you know, it's like anything, it's, you know, it's time. It takes time, especially when you're a, a one woman shop. Um, you know, I, I kind of wear all hats. So I've got a, you know, put in a lot of work and a lot of hours. And then I've also got this um, 100% athlete cooking as well. So, you know, lot, just lots of moving pieces, which is awesome and exciting. There you go. Dom Joe, Max, what y'all got? So, I got some questions. It might be a little long one. But, so I think it's very interesting because all of us being former athletes, I think that we all understand that, um, you know, kind of wellness outside of sports, while we knew it was a big impact, kind of wasn't taking focus to it, how do you yeah. kind of get coaches and, and, you know, college coaches who maybe look at numbers, hey, are you getting bigger, stronger, faster? Are you being healthy to, to realize the impact of wellness outside of training and practice? Because it's pretty much, we were told, hey, when you come to practice, have your mind right to do your best, not, hey, mm -hmm. make sure outside of the sport that, you know, you're doing the thing to make sure you're coming to practice ready to go. Yeah, no, it's a great question and something I'm, you know, uh, I'll be honest, it's hard. It's really hard because a lot of the work that I do um, and a lot of the, you know, what my work is about is this kind of, you know, behind the scenes, behind the curtain type stuff. Um, it's a lot of the, the mental and emotional work. And you're right, that's not, it, there aren't numbers or there isn't anything that can really be measured by that. Um, it, it's not tangible. And so, 
you know, it is, it's a very hard concept for a lot of coaches to kind of really understand and grasp. But what I think is the, the biggest piece of it is, um, you know, if you, if you really look at and, and talk to coaches or try to present in a way that is like, look, this is the, this is at the end of the day, this is the, the well-being of, of, I, I think, you'd be hard pressed to find a coach that isn't really um, mindful about their athletes as a total person. Right. Um, because otherwise, like, why would they be in coaching? <laughs> you know, I mean, what, I, I think every coach wants the best possible thing and, you know, their, their athletes to be the healthiest and the happiest version of themselves. Right. I, I hope otherwise I'm not really sure why you're in coaching. Um, right. you know, I'm sure that's, I'm sure that's debatable, but, um, you know, I, I, I hope that that's the, I hope that that is the intent of every coach out there. Um, so, you know, my, my hard sell is that, look, if you really want, um, this to, if you really want your athletes to be the best performing athletes on the field, all right. I, I promise you, and I fully believe that that's not going to happen if they are not the best and the healthiest version of themselves. Um, and I think, you know, what's, what's the hard evidence? I think you look at, um, and, and some of the research that I've done is, you know, what's out there in terms of the, the mental health a- a- epidemic in college athletics, which I think is, I think is a lot bigger than people really realize. Um, and, you know, I, I think that definitely stems from, not setting our athletes up to, um, you know, live and, and be healthy both on and off the field for sure. I, I know that's kind of in, in Max, it's not like a, it's not like I have kind of a, a straight answer for you because it, it is, you know, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. Like it is something that is really hard to get across to some coaches, but hopefully that kind of helps somewhat answer your question. No, no, but just, you know, as you know, being an athlete, it's something like you also have to live two lives. Like, you know, your coaches pretty much tell you, hey, when you come to practice, anything going on in your personal life, don't bring it into the locker room. It's kind of the best right. told. So it's kind right. of interesting hearing someone who's trying to deal with that aspect before you even get to the locker room to make sure people are at their peak performance off the field. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a firm believer now of, like, that – that's just not possible. It is not possible for you to look at your athletes and say, you know, when you step or you cross over the line of our locker room door, like you leave everything there. I, it's just, it's just not going to happen. That's not human. It's not, I am a firm believer that there are no longer the days of like the kids, you know, you with a Jersey on and you without a Jersey on it, it doesn't, they, they are too connected. Um, and it, you know, it, it just, it, that's not going to happen. So, what you do is, and, you know, I think what the message is, is that, okay, well, if they're intertwined and you're telling me that that's not going to happen, what do you do? You set your student athletes up to be and to constantly have resources and skills and tools to be able to handle the things that happen without the jersey on and at the same time handle the shit that happens with the jersey on. All right. So if you're giving your athletes the tools and you're giving them the infrastructure and the awareness to 
really get into the nitty gritty of, okay, what does it mean to be healthy? What are all these facets of my health? How do they interconnect with each other? How do they play off each other? Um, you know, ask them the right questions, give them the right support, then without a doubt, they're, they're going to be able to, you know, maybe when they get to that locker room door, like, sure, something's still happening in their outer world, but they're going to be able to handle it and they're going to be able to, um, you know, do what needs to be done to, you know, cross over and, and, and then get into their athletic setting and, and just be able to handle it better. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I think there's a, an accountability piece we're not talking about here, though, because I specifically remember Coach London trying to give us um, – he didn't go all in like you, like, like you are, Emily, but, like, I remember he had the, psych, he had the, psychologic, uh, the psychologist come in on game day eve and 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 uh, you know, do our little our little meditation thing. Um, uh-huh. We could get we, we could go get like sessions. You know what I'm saying throughout the week if we were like stressed out and all that. I think um, uh-huh. and then we always had, we always had Coach George, the chaplain, with us um, all the time. I think Coach London tried to uh, you know implement some of that stuff. And I think as players, we just didn't buy into that stuff. I I know me personally, I didn't. You know what I'm saying? I was, yeah, I'm you know, the, like, football, the football players. Yeah. So, so John, not, not to cut you guys off, but I think John, the biggest problem with that is we weren't really. I felt like he was really trying to focus on our mental wellness and well-being of the sport. I don't think it was more getting over the the fact of like, hey guys, this is not a losing culture. Like, believe in yourself type thing. You know, I don't think it was the your mental wellness. He's great. It was like we brought in a psychologist to overcome that we've been losing for two years in a row. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I feel, yeah. Yeah, I feel you on that. You know, so yeah, I'm, what I'm trying to say, yeah. Just in general, uh, yeah, I, the, I the football players, yeah, the football players are different. I think it's tough to get the football players. The football players are going to be a, a, a tough person yeah. to get. And once Emily gets to the football players and they can open up and start, you know, being honest about how they really feel and what's really going on in their lives, then she's probably going to be a million and billionaire. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah, well, I, I think some. Dom, I think you're you're hitting on something that's really important, okay, which is, yes, there is an accountability factor, but I, I think something you said there is the, the, the problem, and a lot of times the problem is, is that these types of people, okay, the, you know, your sports psychologist, um, you know, the, these types of things that your coach just kind of throws at you in terms of, you know, doing, uh, you know, getting your, your head right for a game, yada, 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 okay, these are great, but um they they're they're one off they're not a part of your daily routine they're not getting started or they're not really even in the picture until game day or the day before a game or whereas you know the kind of work that i'm doing is it is the fundamental building block of of an athlete and and their their why and i think if you get at that um you know that that is what makes the difference does that make sense? Yeah. Um, no, yeah, that makes know, this, perfect sense. This, this type of process and this type of work that I do and really being able to kind of, you know, work with athletes and coaches in this capacity is it is very um, – it's proactive work. It's not reactive, right? So it's not like, um, you know, I, I'm coming in and, and starting from kind of ground zero. You know, it's it's the foundation. It's the building box of kind of 
how you're framing your life. Um, and, you know, I'm a firm believer that, okay, if you do that with your life, you know, then you can absolutely do that with your athletic performance. Um, you know, and I, I, I don't think it's um, one or the other. Um, I, I think you, you fully have to do both, you know. Now, I got another question, too. Because um, when I was checking you out, I saw that uh, you had wellness coaching for athletes and wellness coaching for business. So yep. is there any uh, distinctive differences or similarities that you see uh, with your different clients? Yeah, so um glad you asked that. So, yeah, um, my, my business, and I, I did leave my business model open to – um, you know, work with athletes, and that's really kind of my, my passion and the, the niche that I really want to break into, but I absolutely left it open to, to do this type of work in the corporate setting or the business setting. Um, so, yeah, it's um, it's really funny. You know, there, there's a lot of similarities, you know, in the, the workplace and the business type setting. You know, a lot of times people are um, already they're they're in teams or they're in smaller groups or subgroups within their work setting. Um, so yeah, there there's definitely a lot of similarities, and and I think there's a lot of things that kind of cross reference and and really relate to um, kind of coming back to that team environment and the the fundamentals of a team and what a team sport are all about. So yeah, there's definitely there's man there's so many there's so many. Um, similarities um but you know at, at the same time at the end of the day um you know the, the fundamentals of what of what make people and and what creates or makes up health um you know in that integrative and holistic way that's the same um that that's not going to change um you know for for my business model and what my training has been through duke um and and what i really kind of believe and wholeheartedly kind of live my life by those don't change you know um, that your health is something that is all-encompassing. You really cannot even begin to address your health if you're not willing to kind of take a step back and look at all of the facets that make up health, you know, the physical, the mental, the emotional, the social, the environmental, all of those. Um, you know, those are the things that, that never change. But, yeah, so many similarities between the sport and the business, for sure. That's just something. Um so I think, yeah, this is definitely a place that's going to be thriving, um, not only now, but going forward. I think that our society, our culture is gearing towards more of a not people being so closed off and people looking for, you know, help in multiple spaces of life and not just trying to figure out things on their own. So, um, Emily, I think it's going to be a, a good and uh, positive, you know, business for you going forward. Um yeah. You guys got any, you guys got anything else to add for um, Emily before I get into my topic I want to discuss real quick? Nope. No, we good, man. Give me your topic, man. All right, cool, cool, cool. So this is the topic today. The topic today is, um, and Emily kind of touched on it a little bit, dealing with negativity. And I heard on a recent uh, podcast I listened to that four out of five of your thoughts are negative thoughts. And I know this, and, and to myself, it was kind of interesting, and I was like, I'm a very confident person. I don't really think I have too many negative thoughts. And then I was thinking, like, who, who has less negative thoughts than me? And I was thinking that it might be Dom Joe. So, Dom Joe, out of, out of five, out of five <laughs> thoughts, do you, have any, do you think you have four out of five negative thoughts? Um, yeah, so sorry. Can I interject here? <laughs> only because okay. only a lot of the – 
only because of a lot of the work that I do is based on this. So yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. So research actually shows that kind of almost 75% of what we think is negative. So we actually like the brain literally has a negativity bias. Like it, it yeah. actually research shows that it, what you think actually works against you. It, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. And that's, and that's really interesting because it shows in a lot of ways of life as far as like you, you get like a hundred, let's take, um, I don't know. We're all athletes. We're all athletes. Somebody talks about you positively and it's like, okay, good. They're talking about the number. But if you get a negative article, oh, the negative article goes up on the, on the board. Now we're using the negative mm-hmm. energy to try to, to try to, to try to propel something out of us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so I kind of want to touch on that, Chase, because. I mean, I know you say Dom Joe has a pretty positive mentality, but I think it's like oh, Dom Joe sees Dom Joe sees all positives, Mac. Dom Joe sees all positives. I was going to ask him about that. Why? Well, I think he might Dom be the only person that I mean, I think no, I just think he might one in a million. But I just think a lot of it goes to we discount the fact that like knowing us and and, and playing sports, especially at the collegiate level, is how many times did we hear our coaches say, "Get those negative thoughts out your head." And, and you know you got to think positive. You got to think about the next play. You got to think about what you can do to overcome it. I think that changes a lot of our thought process to where we. I mean, you had to go into the game thinking you could conquer the world. Otherwise, you had lost the game before it started. So, I think for us, we we approach it at a different a different way. Whereas, yeah, the negative thought might start negative in our heads, but we try to use it as a way of well, how are we going to overcome it? How are we going to conquer the world? And that's just been ingrained in us, and that's another reason why I think like sports played a big impact on us. Because I mean, if you if you came into the coach's office with some negative thoughts, you might get laughed out the room. To be honest. Well, I mean, even, yeah, that's a good point. Even, I think, even like in the thought process of like just thinking about myself, and most people who know me, I'm extremely confident. I think confidence is probably one of my best traits. Is the fact that I got self belief and self like confidence, but that don't mean I don't have negative thoughts. Like I, I I go to this like playing football. I go to my scrimmage and I'm like, I know that this dude's a four three dude. I'm four four. That means that he might have a step. That means that he might have a step. You know what I'm saying? So you know, even those type of thought processes are negative thoughts. Like they're not positive thoughts. But how I've always felt like in my personal life is that I've counteracted those thoughts by like thinking positive to it. Like I'm, I like I think we had Kiara on here. She was talking about manifestation about, you know, speaking into existence what you want to happen. And I think that, you know, for myself, I'm like, I talk to myself. I do. I talk to myself. And I think I talk to myself, like, when I'm working out, training. Like, if you put a mirror in front of me and I'm on a Stairmaster, then I'm like, I can look myself in the eyes and I can be like, you got more. You got more. Like, you you got more than what you're feeling right now. And I think that's pushed me through a lot of things. I think there's something to be talked about in the fact of being able to just, like, you know, really talk out the negative energy out of your head, out of your brain, out of your mind, out of your spirit, um, and, and push it past. I think there's things. Go ahead, push go ahead, Joe. Keep going. No, I mean, I mean, that's no, pretty I much what I'm talking about. But before I want you to talk about, I want you to talk about how this is the thing. This is the issue with Dom Joe is that everybody else sees all the negatives that Dom Joe be dealing with, but he don't. He don't feel like they negative, man. Like Dom Joe, <laughs> Dom Joe. <laughs> Different dude, man. He 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 let that negative roll right off. I'm telling you. Hey man, because because man, it's something that 
Not a bad. No, it's not. No, no. Listen, 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 listen. This is a problem. You know what I'm saying? I feel like sometimes people focus on the wrong thing. We're in the heat of the battle. You know what I'm saying? I may not have done. I know. I know my assignment. I may not have carried the play out the correct way. But did they score? No. Did we get the job done? Yes. Good play. You know what I'm saying? But um. Dom Joe is a could it be it could be worse guy. It could be worse. But but you see the glass half full. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I think I think we're speaking to um two things too, especially in football and in competition, uh, it's preparation. You know what I'm saying? And one thing that like one one thing one thing that I always know is I'm gonna get through it. No matter how bad something is, if I don't die I'm going to get through it and probably learn from it, right? And so, like, for football, for me, it was, okay, yo, the, 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 the gates are getting shut. We here anyway. What are we going to do? Like, it, it's us versus them right now. What are we going to do, man? You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, I can't go out like that. You know what I'm saying? And I look to my right and my <laughs> the left. The gates are shut. They know where to go. They know where to go, man. You got to fight your way through it now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> So that's what we gonna do, man. But um, as far as business is concerned, man, just like trying new things. I mean, I think Chase, you talk me out of my negative thoughts sometimes too. But the confidence for me to keep going just comes from education. Um, knowing that, hey, no matter what situation I'm in, I feel like I'm confident enough to get out of it. It might be tough, but hey, it might even be it might even be a mistake. But we are gonna learn from it. And then also just being competitive as well as I also, also try to look at I try to be thankful for everything too, man. Like you look around, there's a lot of people in your position or that's not in your position that's worse off. You know what I'm saying? So like yeah. in every situation, I just try to be thankful. I'm like, you know what? Man, that joint that joint was pretty tough, man. But we still here, man. And I'm still here. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, so, there you go. That's how now, the muscle is before, before our viewers get a, a bad idea of what you're saying. I think, you know, if, if you look at everything positive, it can be detrimental, but you brought up preparation, which I think is a big part of it, because you prepare to, to have a great outcome. So if something, you know, if not everything goes your way, great, you move on from it, but you don't just go into something willy-nilly, and then if it goes horrible, you're like, well, it could have gone worse. So I, I just want to make right. a distinction, because right. it, it, yeah, yeah, business, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's different. You yeah, can't yeah. just go in on anything and then just yeah, going well. Yeah, you can't just roll the dice and then be like, well, yeah. you know, there's an old, it can always be worse. You so go, those, in, those those say that you go in, yeah, you go in prepared, you do your best, and if some small thing goes wrong along the way, you adapt, you overcome, and you learn from it. But you don't go in just willy-nilly like, well, you know, I'm just going to see what happens, and whatever happens, I'm going to try to find the good in it. So I just want to kind of, you know, make sure that clean that up know, next. Yeah, you just want to clean that up, make sure you know. Like, if it's, it's, it's not, you know, you can be very unsuccessful if you just go in and not know what you're doing. Preparation is, is key to what you do. And I've told this I've story a hundred times. more about over-communication. Okay, I've told Joe. this story a hundred times about Dom Joe. <laughs> and this is this story is amazing. So I'll tell it at his, at his funeral one day, I promise. Or maybe at his wedding. I'm going to tell this story. But this is who you're dealing with when you're dealing with Dom Joe. <laughs> this is exactly who you're dealing with. All right? We, went to, we was downstairs in the locker room, and everybody listened to this podcast. I probably told you this story probably four times in the 80-something episodes. Ago. We was downstairs in the locker room talking about the game, about to go upstairs to the meeting to watch the film of the game, 
And Dom Jones literally tells me to my face, I had a great game. <laughs> I had a great game, man. <laughs> I had a great game. I missed, a <laughs> I, I missed a couple opportunities, but overall, it was a great game for me, man. I felt positive about, you know, how things got. I wish we would have got the win, but I was, I was positive in my performance. We go up the steps. Dom Jones sits right next to me. <laughs> And Coach Grove proceeds to go up there and say there was one player that caused us to lose this game. <laughs> there was one player that caused us to lose this no. game. And, and, and Dom just stood there and said, ah, he still don't know who it is. Who the hell was this guy that caused us to lose the game? And then he says, we proceed to watch the film, and the plays that he's talking about that caused us to lose the game was all 2-3 Joe. So this is my thing with that, okay? We all know, shout out to Coach Girl, man, much love, you know what I'm saying? We all know Jeezy could get a little C now at times. And we all know no game is won or lost off of one play, right? Right, so, girl. We're we not going to get into – see, now this is where – Dom Joe speaking facts might turn into low blows. You know what I'm saying? It was funny, ha, 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 but I can't really speak my piece right now, you know what I'm saying, about why we actually lost the game. You know what I mean? But that I think that's a situation where, you know, Coach feels like that. He felt like that, but that's not the facts, though. You know what I'm saying? Because I distinctively remember running cover zero three times in third and long, three times in a row on third and long. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to put it like this. I didn't get scored hey, on. I didn't get scored on. I didn't get scored on. So how we, are, we are winning. We are up. I did, how is it my fault? Hey, <laughs> we're up. We're up in the fourth quarter. It's fourth and 14, and we have our safety playing cover zero three yards off the ball. That's all I'm going to say. I want to okay. offer do. That's not a good defense to play call. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. All right. All right. So yeah, there was there was a couple other things that went that could have went wrong in that game. But I'm just saying from his Dom Jones' perspective in his mind, and the other perspective of others, you know, or at least our coaches, I guess. <laughs> it was amazing to me that 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 Dom Jones had no even thought process that he was about to go upstairs and be blamed. <laughs> he never thought from this, man. <laughs> He walks up there like, what up, coach? What up, coach? What up? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Coach is in there having a meeting, about to go in on it. And he over there like, what's good? Where we at? What we doing next week, coach? I'm still killing him, ain't I? <laughs> but uh, that joke's funny. That joke's funny right there. But yeah, that was let me ask you a question. question real quick. Do you did did you blame the game on me? Dom Joe, after they showed me those two plays, I didn't blame the game totally on you, but you had a high percentage of fault in there. You could have changed the game twice. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't you ain't lose the game, Dom, but you could have changed the outcome. We'll say it like yeah, you could have changed the outcome for sure. It, it, it is twice. one of my biggest regrets in life. Twice you could have changed the outcome. Oh, twice you could have changed the outcome? Yeah, twice. Twice you could have changed the outcome? Yeah, that's why Coach Blaine's on the kid. The one wound up being a PBU. It just wasn't on the blitz. On the blitz? Yeah. Yeah. This, is what Coach, this is what Coach said. Uh, this is what Coach said. No, no, no. I'm going to get to him real quick after this. But so Coach Goldberg were up there and said, there was three plays that would have changed the outcome of the game. <laughs> he said there was three. I think it was one other person that might have messed up something that was a big play or something. But Dom Joe was two out of those three. 
And he said there was an interception that was dropped. <laughs> I already knew John Joe dropped the interception. <laughs> but then he said somebody missed a blitz that was a sure sack. And I don't know who he was talking about on that one. And, and it turned out to be 2-3 Joe, man. He was in the A-gap. <laughs> he was in the A-gap. Uh, <laughs> he was in the A-gap, man. And, you know, I think he jumped or something. He's supposed to, he's, you know how the quarterback pump fake, you're not supposed to jump, you're supposed to run through him. Dom Joe jumped. I and run through and, him. And, 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 and then get the sack, man. Hey, man, it was a QB hurry, and then Vic batted the ball away. It was a QB hurry. It was a QB hurry. <laughs>
Awesome. Well, Emily, we appreciate you being on this podcast. We're going to get into this gas of the week. Uh, before we get into gas of the week, we want you to let everybody know where they can reach you, where they can reach out to you, where they can find your business and things of that nature. For sure. So, yeah, um, my, you know, my website is Parent Wellness Performance, so that's my business. Um, .com. Um, I am on all things social media. So Instagram, my personal one is Emily Larson P. And then I obviously have my parent wellness and performance Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Um, parent WNP is my Twitter um, name. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on everything social media. Um, and then basically if you find my website, you can know how to contact me, whether it's by email or text, um, or simply reach out via LinkedIn or, or whatever social media kind of, um, outlet you, you choose to. Sounds good. Sounds good. So I can't remember who got the, the gas of the week this week. I'll say Max should redeem himself, man, because I had to. I had to help. No, no, y'all had to. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and take this gas out of the week because Max came watered and Dom Joe came back and saved him. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Max, we're gonna need you to do a little bit more research in the in the in the in the in the, in the, in the space of uh, motivational and personal development. I've been waiting for my redemption. I, you know what I'm saying? Instead of instead of instead of giving us the, the cliff notes of the podcast at the end, the cliff notes. Real quick, but um, <laughs> that's our generation, right? I wonder if the kids these days got got something like Cliff Notes. That's stayed the guy in high school. But they got Google. You don't need Cliff Notes. You have Google, man. <laughs> hey, whatever it is, whatever it is, somebody let's go. Let's go give me a summary of each one of these chapters. <laughs> that's what I needed back in the day. But I'm gonna go ahead and get into this gas out of week. Um, fear is contagious. Fear is contagious. So kind of like we're talking about with negativity, if people, uh, I consider negativity to also like be a direct correlation of fear. Um, so you got people around you that are given that fearful mindset, given that thought process of we can't, you can't, this is too much, this is too big, it got to go. It's got to go, man. And, and, and even in like my business right now, I got, people that are more conservative than me and I'm a lot more aggressive than they are, but I can't allow for their conservativeness to come off on me. Um, because that's my skill set. That's my, that's my gift is I'm aggressive. I'm confident. I'm going to be able to push it forward. I'm not scared of any challenges, any tasks. And it's sometimes it's good, but sometimes it's bad. But the reason why we're here is right, right now is because it's been good so far. So don't let people, put their thought processes, their limitations, and I've said it before, on you. But I think especially when it's a fearful thought process, a fearful mindset, don't have step because other people have stepping. If somebody says it's hot, don't just take it that it's hot. I mean, that's, that, that's just me. Don't just take it that it's hot, man. Like, if you feel like you can handle that heat, then go handle the heat. But don't let other people gauge the temperature and then put that temperature on you. You know what you build up. You know what you made of. Go make it happen. That's what it is. This week we'll highlight y'all next week. Yeah. That's it for today's episode. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and follow us on Instagram at CTC Podcast. Catch you next week.